InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. A recent study suggests there's a connection between cyberbullying and those experiencing eating disorder symptoms. InfoTrack's Roy Mackey is back, and he has the story. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Our guest is Ana Lorena Fabrega. She describes herself as an edupreneur. She's the author of The Learning Game, teaching kids to think for themselves, embrace challenge, and love learning. Ana, I think the basic premise of your book is that we need to question pretty much everything about how we've educated kids for decades. And there are plenty of stats that illustrate that a frightening number of our students are not proficient in reading or math. What is the biggest message you're trying to convey to parents and teachers? Yeah, um, that, like you very well said, we are still using a system that was built 200 years ago for very different purposes. Um, and it's no longer serving the generation of kids that that, that it's serving. Um, and so we, we now need kids that are creative, that are problem solvers, that can think for themselves, that, you know, can break from the pack and do things differently so that they can get to creative and breakthroughs and and that's just not happening with the kind of education that we're providing. I understand you attended 10 schools in seven countries growing up. How did that affect how you approach education? Yeah, so um, in order to sort of survive this flawed system and given that I was pulled out of the schools at random times or sometimes had to skip grades, by the time I was 14 I had attended 10 schools. So I picked up on um, this game of school, which in the book I describe as what kids have to do in order to navigate the system and check all the boxes and pass the tests, but not necessarily learn anything that will stick or find the things that make them um, amazing humans. Um, And so my real learning was happening outside of school when I could really get to the things that excite me, when I could be exploring without fearing that somebody was going to judge me with a bad grade. Um, And that's what I call the authentic real learning. And that's the kind of learning that prepares you for the game of life. And so I argue that kids who pick up on this school game don't really graduate prepared to know how they can contribute to the world and the things that they can do or the things that make them unique. Um, and, And it's a world that's constantly changing, that's very chaotic. And so all this content that we keep delivering in schools are from outdated curriculums that may or may not be relevant in the future for jobs that haven't even been invented yet. And so I would argue that a better way would be to teach through projects or to find alternatives outside the system that teach kids the soft skills that we know they're going to need um, in this future that they're entering. Could you give us some specific examples of what you would like to see change? Yeah. So instead of focusing so much on Um, the grades and using the standardized assessments to see if kids are learning and having them memorize all this information. Um, What if we gave them an open-ended problem or a project and then they're going to naturally need different topics and different resources and different tools. And so that's the moment that you introduce these tools and this knowledge and you help them find the knowledge that is a click away on the internet. So instead of um, delivering information just in case, just giving them what's practical to them and what they can apply right away to the real world. We know that knowledge decays really quickly and what kids don't um, use in the productive world in the next 14 days, they forget. And so instead of having them again cram all this information, actually start with projects. We also know that um, when we segregate topics by subject, um, it's really hard for information to stick because learning is interconnected. 
So instead of every 45 minutes ringing a bell and switching from science to math to reading and interrupting the learning, if kids learn through a project and they can see how the different topics fit within each other, then that's a much better way to actually learn. Um, then also this notion of having the teacher deliver all the content, it's a, a way better approach is when kids actually have autonomy over their learning and they, have, they are in charge of what's going on and the teachers are more of a facilitator. Um, and so giving kids choices and giving kids more movement and giving kids more autonomy are things that would really make a difference um, as, as they learn. And then there's the part of instead of um, segregating them by age and into grades, you know, when in the real world do you only interact with people your age? What we see when you have mixed age groups, which is a way that I propose is a better way to learn. You have older kids teaching the younger kids. You have the younger kids um, wanting to imitate the older kids so they can actually do a lot more than we would think they're capable of just because you remove that speed limit that we create with grades. Um, and so instead of focusing on, you know, remediating their weaknesses, we can focus on actually doubling down on their strengths and the things that they're already really good at. Um, instead of only focusing on always trying to label them and, and, and focusing on all the negative things. Um, and, and, and one big one is also, you know, we, we wait until kids are 18 to let them contribute to the real world and then sort of expect for them to know how to navigate uncertainty, how to figure things out for themselves when there are no instructions and how to fail and pick themselves up, how to make decisions under pressure and trade-offs and weigh the outcome of their choices. And yet these are all things that we're not explicitly teaching them in school or giving them practice in school. Because we're so focused on the content, we forget that really all these soft skills that I just mentioned are the things that we know they're going to need regardless of the kinds of jobs that they're going to go into in the future. And so instead of giving them plenty of practice with that, we're teaching them content that may or may not be relevant. So I'd say that um, focusing on those things and then delivering the content as they need it is a much better approach. You also write that video games can be a powerful tool for learning. I'm sure that would be popular with students, but how does that help them learn? Yeah, so it's very interesting because I've never been a gamer. And so this is just something that um, caught my attention when I noticed what happened when kids um, were playing video games. So a lot of the problem, like a lot of what's happened in schools is that a lot of kids don't feel competent because the way um, the content is delivered or maybe the things that they're really good at are not necessarily academic things. And competency is something super important that every human needs to feel in order to thrive and be happy. And then when you see kids playing video games, they suddenly see how they can teach themselves anything and how they can improve if they keep on going. Because of the way that video games don't punish you with a bad grade the way we do in schools, the kids are encouraged and they want to keep going even when they fail. And we know that failure and mistakes are a big part of the learning process. It's how you realize and you get feedback of the things that you yet don't know and what you need to do in order to learn that and correct that. But again, in school, we don't give kids chance with that. But when you see them playing video games, it's fascinating because they keep going even when they fail a hundred times. And they, they, they kind of pick up on different skills like critical thinking and communication and problem solving in order to get to the next levels. And so it's this attitude of, okay, I, I've never seen this before. I don't really know what to do, but I can figure it out. Or I know what to do when I stumble. I'm not discouraged. I'm going to keep going. And again, I think that that attitude is super important. And it's something that video games teach. In addition to that, um, there's a lot of... Um, concerned parents, and, and rightly so, right, with the amount of time that kids play, spend t um, playing online or, or with screens, but um, they rarely stop to think about what's the real issue behind 
um, their gaming and why they're spending so much time there. And sometimes it's because they're actually lacking a lot of the things that they're getting online in the real. So I invite parents to kind of be curious of their game time instead of looking at it with a negative connotation because kids do need a lot of um, support from adults in order to navigate this world. And if we're constantly getting upset at them and or telling them negative things around their gaming um, time, then they, they won't want to share those things. And they cannot, they, they do pick up on a lot of skills on, um, in video games, but they need to go through a reflection process in order to be able to apply this to the real world. And for that, parents need to be involved and they need to do it with an attitude of curiosity rather than um, being upset. So in the book, I talk a lot about sort of what are the things that they're drawn to online that they're not getting in the real world, like autonomy, like competency and relatedness, which are three crucial things that human needs need in order to thrive. And now with how restrictive schools have become and how we've removed almost all the choices from what they wear to what they learn to how content is presented, how they're assessed, they don't feel any autonomy there. And yet online, they have all these choices that they can make, who to play with, the characters, the everything. And so no wonder they're drawn to that. Or, like I said, the sense of competency that there are a lot of kids not getting in schools from all this one-size-fits-all curriculum, but they do feel competent when they play their video games. And then the aspect of relatedness. A lot of kids just don't necessarily relate with the kids that they're stuck with for years in the classroom. Or with how restrictive schools have become, they don't really get to socialize the way that we used to before. And so online, they suddenly have the opportunity to connect with kids from all over the world that may share similar interests and that are more similar to them. And so... Again, it's sort of understanding where this um, desire to play is coming from and then trying to find similar experiences in the real world. But again, always approaching it with the lens of I want to understand more and I want to help you navigate this. Perhaps your answer to this next question is run for a seat on your local school board. But what can parents do to encourage their schools to get out of this mindset of we do it this way because we've always done it this way? So it's, it's, I, I wish I had a, a better answer for this, but this is actually why I decided to lead the school system. I, I realized that um, it's very hard for any individual to make things go in a different direction. However, I do think that for those parents that cannot pull their kids out of school, um, you can start by asking questions. And because a lot of the things that we're doing, we just keep doing out of um, uh, just out of routine because we've always done it and because nobody kind of stops in questions like does this make sense and a lot of you'll notice that a lot of the things that we keep doing don't make sense anymore and so I think that starting by just being curious and asking questions about how did we get here um, you know do I really need to torment my kid when he comes home after seven hours of sitting down paying attention in school then after school activities that are probably adult-led and they get home tired does it really make sense for me to torment them with homework, you know? And, and we know that that the countries that are doing the best in education, they don't leave homework. Why? Because there's really very little point at leaving homework. So I guess by asking these kinds of questions, they, you can empower families and parents to make decisions at home about what they want to value um, and what they can give maybe le- less attention to. Or you see, if you see that your kid actually knows a topic, but they didn't perform well in the test, well, maybe they're not good test takers. And that's not the only way that they can showcase what they're learning. So trying to find other ways um, for them to be able to demonstrate what they're learning and, you know, perhaps suggesting to the school. And again, I'm not sure how open they would be to this, but um, to do something like what homeschoolers do, which they submit um, a portfolio at the end of the year to the local board of education with, you know, the, the, the portfolios include 
um, songs. They include business plans, maybe some test scores, essays. So it's like different ways that they can showcase that. And um, the, the, the most important teacher that any kid will ever have is their parents. So regardless of the school situation that you have them in, um, know that there's always so much that you can do, even if you cannot homeschool. That's not what I propose in my book at all. There are a bunch of different alternatives um, and ways that you can get involved in a way that's meaningful um, without necessarily delegating all of your kids' education to school, considering that they're not um, doing the job that we think they're doing. We're nearly out of time, but what are your thoughts about homeschooling? I think that homeschooling, if you have traditional education far left on the spectrum, then homeschooling would be sort of like almost all the way to the right. Um, and I think that um, if, if that's something that, that, that your family wants to go for, then that's great. I, I don't necessarily think that a parent should be the 100% um, person that's teaching their kids all the time because they have a different relationship. I do think that kids should have also a different mentor that's not mom and dad that they look up to that can help them reflect on a lot of the things that they're learning. I think that homeschooling is a lot more doable nowadays with all the options available in the alternative education space, things that you can complement, you can delegate a lot of the hardcore academics to you know, technology, now with all these um, AI tutors that are emerging that can cover that in a more efficient way. And then really your role um, in homeschooling, you know, done right is seeing how you can now spend the rest of your kid's day in a way that's more inclined and, and to, to, to a kid, right? Giving them more free play, unstructured play, enrolling them in sports and after school activities and all sorts of things that let them be kids, which is something that I argue that we've removed by sticking them in this structured buildings for so many hours. So that's one of the beauties of homeschool, that you have the flexibility to restore childhood and give them back this precious years of their lives if you structure it correctly. Ana Lorena Fabrega, author of The Learning Game, Teaching Kids to Think for Themselves, Embrace Challenge, and Love Learning. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And that wraps up this week's show. InfoTrack's executive producer is Randy Meyer, and I'm Chris Whitty. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll be here next week for another edition of InfoTrack.